Welcome to the Healthful Woman Podcast. Today's Thursday, August 20th, 2020. In today's podcast, Stephanie Melka and I discuss exercise in pregnancy. Stephanie and I both love to exercise and talk about exercise. We go over what exercise women can and should do during pregnancy, and we discuss many of the misconceptions out there on this topic. We review specific exercises such as running, yoga, swimming, biking, lifting, and more. For anyone who is pregnant or thinking about pregnancy, if you already exercise, I think you will find this podcast very helpful. If you don't currently exercise, hopefully this will be motivating to dip your toes in the water. Following the same theme, next week is a special treat for me, Yoga Week. From Monday through Friday, each day we will be dropping a yoga podcast. So that's five yoga podcasts in one week. Over the course of the week, you'll hear from six amazing yoga instructors. Oh, and one of them is my daughter, Kira. On Monday, Trella Allen and I talk about yoga, healing for the body and mind. On Tuesday, Kate Cuss and I discuss yoga, a vehicle for change. On Wednesday, Julia Stevens and I talk about high energy yoga. On Thursday, Jamie and Scott Herrig join me to talk about Ashtanga yoga. And on Friday, Kira Fox joins me to talk about yoga, giving back. For now, enjoy our podcast on exercise and pregnancy, and take some time this weekend to get your vinyasa in groove for next week. Thanks for listening. Have a great day and have a great weekend. Welcome to today's episode of Healthful Woman, a podcast designed to explore topics in women's health at all stages of life. I'm your host, Dr. Nathan Fox, an OBGYN and maternal fetal medicine specialist practicing in New York City. At Healthful Woman, I speak with leaders in the field to help you learn more about women's health, pregnancy, and wellness. We're here with Dr. Stephanie Melka to talk about exercise and pregnancy. Melka, welcome back. Thank you. This is a topic that you and I talk about all the time. We have a lot of discussion with patients. We both like to exercise. We've done a lot of different things. I know we've spoken about this in the past about running and whatnot. And this is something that comes up all the time in in our practice. I mean, how how often are you talking to pregnant patients, you know, about this in their prenatal visits? At least several times a day at every first pregnancy visit. And then as the pregnancy goes on, sometimes it's, well, I'm doing this exercise and here's what I'm feeling. What should I do? Or you told me I could do this, but my friend said I can't do it. Or I read (laughs) online that I shouldn't be doing it. What what the hell am I supposed to do now? Right. I was going to ask you, is it mostly you bringing up the topic because you want to encourage them to exercise? Or is it mostly them asking you you know, what can I do? I like to do this. Can I still do it? So at the first visit, it's always me bringing it up. I mm-hmm. include it in my counseling. And then after that, it's more them asking me. Right. And a lot of ways that's true that people are like, wait, you said I could do this, but why did someone else tell me I yeah. can't? And there's definitely a lot of myths that yeah. are out there about exercise and pregnancy. I get a lot of that from my friends too. Having been a runner for years and all the groups I'm in, I'll get messages from people of, So what do you tell women who are pregnant about running marathons or doing this or doing that? Right. Yeah. And there's a lot of myths out there. And it's not based on scientific evidence. That's for sure. It's usually just whatever. Someone once told someone something and then that got perpetuated and then someone wrote it down and it hit, you know, a blog somewhere and then someone quotes the blog and it just 
it's it's it magnifies. Is it too early for me to rant about the heart rate of 140 <laughs> beats per minute as the as the limit for exercise? It's not, that is it's, yeah. one of my biggest pet peeves in the world. That's definitely one of the myths <laughs> that that's out there. We're definitely going to talk about that later. But it, there's so many that come up. Oh, but I, of course I can't do this, or of course I and I'd be like, no, I don't. I'm not sure where you got that, and. It's the the interesting thing is not only, you know, there's some myths that are, you know, sort of harmless, like, you know, we, you know, sometimes talk about foods or whatever that people can eat. I, if someone, you know, wants to completely avoid caffeine and pregnancy, fine, whatever, you know, they don't have to, but okay. But it's interesting because frequently the advice that they're given is directly opposed to what's yeah. good for them. So, you know, exercise and pregnancy is healthy. It's recommended. And then people are frequently like, oh, I stopped exercising because I'm pregnant. And not only is that not a good thing, it's a bad thing. What are the benefits of exercise? We'll just, we're going to get very basic. We'll talk about in general and then in pregnancy. So why would you tell any woman, you know, that it's, you know, just one of your gynecologic patients that it's good and healthy to exercise? I mean, a lot of this is obvious, but let's, we'll start it. We'll start at the basics and we'll work our way up. It's honestly one of the best things people can do for their health, maintain a healthy weight, good cardiovascular function. Um, You see lower rates of osteoporosis in women doing weight-bearing activities. Yeah, there's there's just so much about it. Everything you mentioned, people who have, you know, issues also maybe with stamina, with balance, it obviously helps all those things. Mental health, it's a huge contributor uh, to positive mental health. Uh, Exercise is really good maybe not for everybody for mental health, but for most people, they find it really as a part of a, you know, a healthy mental, you know, status. Obviously it, it reduces the risk of a lot of conditions in life. If you exercise regularly, you're less likely to be diabetic. You're less likely to get hypertension. You're less likely to get heart disease. I mean, it, it's, it's really, really good. And exercise does not need to be something like training for a marathon or something really intense. It's just, a part of your lifestyle, a part of something you do in general. Okay, so now let's talk about the benefits specifically for pregnant women. So all those exist. And then for pregnancy in general, what might be additional benefits that you go over with women? You know, it's a great way to help decrease the chance of excess weight gain during pregnancy. Right. Less likely to have a bigger baby. Right. Um, I think, you know, people that exercise tend to just have healthier, lower risk pregnancies, less likely to have gestational hypertension, diabetes. Yeah. I mean, all of those things, it's hard to, it's hard to know for certain because, you know, the studies are complicated on this, but most of the the evidence, it's pretty good evidence. It suggests that lowers the risk, like you said, gestational diabetes is less likely in women who exercise regularly. High blood pressure may be less likely. Interestingly, there's some evidence that it actually might lower the risk of preterm birth. People think it may increase the risk of preterm birth exercising, but it it seems to either be neutral or beneficial in that regard, which is a surprise to most people. And also, I think, you know, we see women after they deliver and six weeks later, and then they're taking care of a newborn. From a practical perspective, if someone isn't or stops exercising for a year of their life, and now they have to run after a newborn and maybe go back to work, you know, they're, they're beat up. It's and, exhausting. Yeah, yeah, it's really hard. And so if someone is in pretty good shape and they're exercising regularly during pregnancy and they maintain that lifestyle, I find that their recovery from the delivery and their ability to sort of get back into life is, is easier. You had a pregnancy and you're in good shape <laughs> and you were, you know, you were, you're pretty fit. And I imagine it was 
easier for you to recover from the pregnancy than it would have been uh, otherwise, yeah. potentially. And that's a really important thing that sometimes people don't always, I actually just saw a, a woman today and you know, she just had her baby. I saw her in the hospital and she goes, ah, the finish line. I said, no, you're at the starting <laughs> line. I said, <laughs> I said, the baby's born. Yes, you know, it's one finish line, but it, now it's a starting line that's going to be many more years. And it's important to try to prepare for that as well from a physical perspective. There are, you know, potential risks of exercise in pregnancy. And what are the risks you, you normally go over conceptually? Main things are risks of getting hit hard in the belly or physically getting hurt. Right. You know? Injury. Injury. Right. Right. You know, no one ever wants to deal with a broken bone, but it can be especially challenging if you break your arm and you're pregnant. Right. And I think that people are often surprised when we tell them this. They think that somehow exercising is going to cause them to go into labor or cause a small harm, baby. You know, yeah, yeah. Harm to the baby or something like that. We say, no, no, no. The, the risk is you. Like we don't want you getting hurt. And that's why we you know tell them, for example, people are like why can't it, you know, when I say you can't horseback ride, it's not because like sitting on a horse or riding is dangerous. It's fine. It's you may fall off or why skiing? They're like, oh, it's an altitude problem. Like, no, like people live in Colorado. I said, like, the issue with skiing is that you may run into a tree or some, you know, even if you're a good skier, some idiot like me might <laughs> run into you and knock you over. And you don't want to deal with a torn ACL while you're pregnant. Like, not only is it annoying, but you know, there's issues with blood clotting and healing. And so you, you don't want to get injured. And so we typically just tell people to avoid exercises. They can hurt themselves when they're pregnant. And then, you know, other things potentially with impact. There's there's no risk to the fetus. It doesn't cause miscarriage or labor. And there is, it's sort of uncertain about excessive training. Like is, do, do you give people a limit in terms of training or exercising? I don't. I usually ask people what they're doing mm -hmm. and then tell them like, you know, if you don't exercise at all, this is a good time to start. You know, if you're a runner and you've been a runner for years and you've only ever done half marathons and now you want to do a marathon, this is probably not the time to make that big of a jump. But I usually tell people just to continue whatever it is they've been doing. Right. It's it is no one knows for sure if these things are are good, bad or neutral. But again, there's there's some common sense involved. It doesn't make sense to like try to take on a new project that's much more than you've ever done before, unless you start at zero, like you said, it's good to start something. And so I agree. I usually tell people the same thing. We don't have a lot of people clamoring to do an Ironman when they're pregnant. But if someone was, I'd say maybe not a good idea. But in terms of like you know, general exercise, it seems to be fine. And then let's talk about the, the heart rate yes. myth. What is the myth that's out there? You can't get your heart rate above 140 while you're pregnant. Right. And, and what is it that's going to happen if the heart rate goes above 140? Nobody knows. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's an odd it's an odd one and I I tried to look back into where that even came from. I've never found out where it came from. Yeah, I think it was just sort of the someone once said that's the cutoff between moderate exercise and strenuous exercise, which also is vague. I don't know what either of those terms necessarily mean. And so they said, okay, if your heart rate's under 140, it's moderate. And if it's over 140, it's strenuous. Yeah, I don't know where that came from either. I never go into that with women. There is, you know, there there is data about using heart rate as sort of a, a, a gauge. This is this running this, this like Moffy tone method where it's sort of below a certain heart rate. You're, you know, you're doing mostly aerobic 
exercise and if you're above it you're maybe doing anaerobic yeah, that's the exercise. orange theory fitness that's out yeah, there yeah. it breaks down into the different zones yeah. right of aerobic and anaerobic and okay so there's some science but first of all 140 is very vague in general because it, it's based on your age it's based on your weight it's based on your fitness so it's not 140 for everyone and also there's nothing uniquely unhealthy about doing that type of exercise when you're pregnant it may just be harder okay and so it we do not give people this heart rate cut off and we frequently have a long conversation you know pontificating about why that's such <laughs> an odd thing that came out and so what what do you tell people then to sort of gauge their level of exercise i tell them to gauge by overall feel you should not be exercising so hard where you you know, come off the spin bike or come in from a run and need a two hour nap. If you're exercising with a group of people, you should be okay chatting back and forth. You know, if you're out on a run with friends, you should be able to be talking a little bit. That probably keeps people out of the anaerobic range. Cause usually if you're doing like those anaerobic intervals, you're not talking through them. So right. I probably am giving people that caveat. You shouldn't be training at that level of intensity for that long. But yeah, it's more just the feel like you're getting a workout, but the don't be pushing yourself as hard as you can. Right. And that comes from most of the data on exercise that shows benefits is what they in each study determined to be moderate exercise. And everyone looks at it a little bit differently. What does moderate mean versus strenuous? Again, it's not certain that strenuous is bad. It's just we know that moderate is good. And the, the recommendations about how frequently we'll go into them, people should exercise, they talk about moderate exercise. So I use a very similar rule to what you do. I tell people, if during your exercise, you're able to talk, then it's sort of still on the moderate level, but probably you shouldn't be able to sing. <laughs> That's what I tell them. If you can sing, it's probably too light. And if you can't talk, it may be too strenuous. And so that's sort of the happy medium to be able to talk. You try to sing when you're running. It's hard. <laughs> it's I'll, hard to do. I'll keep that in mind. But definitely the talk rule is a is a good way to go through it. And then- uh, Another thing, it often comes down to somebody's base level of fitness. Right. You know, a 140 for somebody who's just starting off, who has a baseline heart rate of 90, is going to be different than somebody with a baseline heart rate of 60. Right. You know, right. and again, my friends, like I, I know a ton of people that have done marathons while pregnant. It's not that a, that distance is dangerous or that amount of time because they go slow, they hydrate, they take walk breaks, they finish it. Right. Um, and their again, pulse probably is always pretty, is not that crazy high during the race. Yeah. I could look back at some Garmin's and find out. <laughs> We could definitely go there. The, I could look yeah. at my Garmin. I hit 140, I think, going up the stairs at Sinai yeah. sometimes. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. And people who track their heart rate uh, during practice, I tell them it's, don't, it's, it's too much. The, the current recommendations based on reasonable data, it's not perfect. And so this is, you know, there's, there's some, you know, grain of salt, all this is that women, without a contraindication, and we'll get into that. They should exercise, again, at this moderate intensity, which is vague, but again, it's sort of not too light, not too heavy. This talk rule may be way to go for 20 to 30 minutes a day, most days of the week, meaning it's something someone should be doing four, five, six times a week. And 20, 30 minutes is not that much time. And you people sometimes obviously do it longer, this, and you have to individualize it. But the recommendation is to basically exercise almost every day while you're pregnant. And people are surprised to hear that. They're they're like, seriously? Like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> and then the people who do exercise are very happy about that. And the people who don't are so like, oh, and you know, time to start. And there are some women who we tell 
maybe it's not a good idea. It's unusual, but who might some of those women be? People where that even that increase in activity could lead to complications. So I'm thinking of like placenta previa. Right. I don't even know. I would say with twins, I tell them not to exercise. Like I do think they are at risk for preterm birth, but I think when they exercise according to these guidelines and hydrate tend to do fine. Yeah. It's probably yeah. the previas, maybe people with a short cervix or a cerclage. The fact that it's it's almost hard to think of who these people are shows how unusual it is for us to tell people, particularly us two, yeah. you know, who not <laughs> to exercise. Placenta previas, I, I tell them the same thing. They're at risk for bleeding. It definitely can cause bleeding. It's not like it's necessarily going to be horrible, but it's just not worth it. And you know, this is that could be a very, very big deal. I do let my twins exercise, but typically you know, particularly later in pregnancy, they're just bigger, it's harder. And so they're going to cut back what they're doing, similar to how someone might at the end of pregnancy with a singleton pregnancy, they just have to do that earlier. And also I tell people that, you know, since all of this isn't based on perfect data, there's a big dose of common sense that has to be used. If when you exercise, you start having crazy contractions and you have a twin pregnancy. All right. Like your body's telling you it's time to back off. Mm -hmm. and it's, you can't use the same rule for everybody. And that may just be their luck. What's going on with the pregnancy. It could be their baseline fitness. It could be other risk factors, but there has to be people have to be in tune with what's mm -hmm. going on while they're exercising, how they feel, how they're able to tolerate it. You know, we've gone over our general recommendations that you and I are both not just us, but everyone sort of pro-exercise in pregnancy. It's a good thing. It's a healthy thing. It's something people should either continue to do or if they haven't exercised before, it's a great sort of motivator to start. Let's talk about specific exercises that either we recommend or people ask us about and sort of go through each of them, what we think are good features, maybe features to be careful about, or maybe things to avoid. I'm going to start with yoga because in this podcast, everything seems to start with <laughs> yoga. What is your experience in terms of yoga and pregnancy? Women tend to really like it. I think the big gripe a lot of women have is a lot of the classes out there geared towards prenatal yoga tend to be very, very light where it's just stretching. It's not doing any strengthening. They feel like it's not even a workout at all. But I think people that do a regular class that can sort of rest when they need to avoid lying flat on their back tend to get a really good workout from it. Right. I think the prenatal yoga is interesting. I I've always thought it's more of a marketing thing mm -hmm. than a medical thing that it's, it's a way for, and I'm not, I'm not saying that in a negative tone for yoga studios to invite and welcome pregnant women in to their to their fold and they say, okay, we have prenatal yoga. And, and for many women, it's the first time they'll ever try yoga. It's typically pretty light, as you said. And so that's something I might recommend for someone who's never done yoga before and they want to try something. Okay, and prenatal is very light, but pregnant women can go to regular yoga classes and either if they know what they're doing, they'll know how to modify. And if they really if they're sort of somewhat beginners or maybe intermediate, they don't really know how to modify. Any good yoga instructor will be able to tell a pregnant woman what she shouldn't be doing or, you know, has to modify it. They're, they're, they're pretty in tune with what's going on. And, and the benefits are everywhere. I mean, it's, it's like you said, you can get a good workout based on what class you go to. The stretching is helpful. And I found that yoga is really my go-to treatment for back pain yeah. of pregnancy. That's the first thing I recommend to women. It's so common to have back pain in pregnancy. And I've just found that the the aspect of yoga that strengthens the core 
is so helpful. Can you explain like why, why does that help back pain, strengthening the core? One of the pregnancy hormones, progesterone, will kind of loosen ligaments in the body and you get a lot of that in the hip girdle. So your hips get loose, the lower back gets a little loose, plus the uterus is growing out. So your center of gravity is shifting back. So that's then putting a lot of stress on the lower back. The paraspinal muscles can overwork, sometimes go into spasm. And yoga, strengthening the core, kind of focuses on that area, a little bit of loosening it up, and also strengthening other muscles to kind of keep things in a more proper alignment. If you think about it, there's two parts of back pain. One is trying to relieve the pain just to make it feel better. And the second part is trying to get at the cause of the back pain so it doesn't happen. And so the the stretching is is very therapeutic for a lot of the back pain that people have. And that's sort of like, you know, think of it sort of like a massage in that sense. It's like a massage for the back. It helps for the pain. But the other thing is, like you were saying, when you work on the core and the core is really those muscles that are sort of from your upper abdomen, your upper belly down to your thighs, that's the part of your body where if you think of, you know, the the skeleton that people had in high school biology class that was hanging there, if you think of a skeleton on the chest, there's your bones in the front, right? The ribs and the spine in the back and down by the, the pelvis, there's the bones in the front and the spine in the back. But between those two, all you have is that bone in the back, the spine, and that's the lower back. And if you think about it, there's really nothing in front to hold it together. And that's where people sort of hunch over. And the core, all those muscles that wrap around the front there. So if you can strengthen those, it helps keep that back supported, the lower back. And I found that yoga is really the easiest and best way for most women to help their back pain and pregnancy. So that is a huge thing that I do. And also all these you know, the flexibility, the stretching. Now, what what are the things you sort of warn people about if they're going to do yoga? No hot yoga. Mm, and why is that? Just the elevation in body temperature in the first trimester you want to avoid. Um, yeah. And I think just more prone to dehydration. Yeah. I, I also discourage hot yoga unless someone's really, really, really good at it. Like, no, I don't sweat. I drink a lot. I'm, like, I feel great. All right, but that's the exception. Most people, it's gonna they're gonna be like lightheaded and dizzy yeah. in hot yoga class. I also worry about the that baseline laxity that I talked about in pregnancy. Right. That then you're in a hot yoga class, mm-hmm. you're even more stretchy than before. That that could then lead to even more injury. Yeah, sometimes you know, and that's a risk of hot yoga in general. The idea of maybe overstretching a joint and pulling something. I typically tell women, unless they are like superstars, to yeah. not do inversions in pregnancy because your center, like you said, your center gravity is off. You can fall. More prone to falling. Yeah. yeah. So, and if someone is really like gung-ho, like I'm doing it, I'm doing, I was like, you know, have someone stand next to you while you yeah. do it. Ask the instructor to come by if you're going to do handstand. So, you know, I'll, yeah, I'll tell people you. like, if you have a handstand practice, like do your handstands on the wall. Like yeah. don't do them <laughs> in the middle of the studio, even if that's what you usually do, because like you said, your center of gravity is off, more likely to fall. But other inversions like downward dog, standing forward, Ben, those are all fine. Right. The baby doesn't care. Right. Yeah. The baby's, the baby's (laughs) usually upside down already. So when you do an inversion, the baby's right Right side side up. So the baby likes it better. Who knows? That's yoga. Is there another exercise you want to go into? Oh, all right. Let's talk about biking and cycling. So, so what do you tell women about biking? I'm not a biker myself uh, personally. So so this I think is one of the things you and I have not always agreed on (laughs) where you say, well, yeah, you can bike outside. Just be careful. Oh, no, I'm not. No, I don't tell them so much that. You said like, (laughs) You know, but if you're in like, you know, a wide open road or something and I'm like, but 
we live in New York City. Like right. this is the world's worst place to ride a bike anywhere. Yeah, I don't encourage biking so, in New York City. So just to take a step back, yes. so cycling, the again that we're talking about the risk of getting hit by a truck. Yes. We're, we're falling not off your bike, yeah. hitting your head. I think there is a risk of falling, even if you're on a beach cruiser, on a flat road. I think it should be avoided or be cautious with it. Yeah, I, I am cautious with biking. I'm a big proponent of spin class, of spinning. I say it's unless you're going to fall off your spin bike, which I, I imagine I would probably be one of those people. So, you know, would fall off a spin bike. Uh, but most people don't, I'm told. And so why is spinning a good a good exercise in pregnancy? So it's a good cardiovascular workout. You're getting your heart rate up. It's a good muscular workout, but it's low impact. So yeah. it's not running outside. You don't have that kind of impact of hitting the ground. Right. So you're getting sort of the the, the cardiovascular benefits. You're, you're building strength, but you're not like your knee shouldn't hurt in the yeah. same way afterwards. You're not no. likely to tear something. And certainly the risk of injury. Yeah. What I tell people, is I, I'm definitely opposed to cycling in New York City. Uh, you know, whether it's Central Park, whether it's the streets, whether it's a city bike, even if you're wearing a helmet, like, I mean, for sure, if you're cycling, you wear a helmet, whether you're pregnant or not. But, you know, I, I'm I'm very opposed. I, I say like, well, you know, if you're in on a trail in Oregon and, you know, you got a bike with a little jingle on the front, you know, <laughs> like that type of cycling. All right. You know, I, I maybe, that, yeah, you know, you could get hurt, but it's not it's not that likely. No, I think we I think we do agree in that sense. But it, uh, the, the spinning is a great exercise. What in about spin yeah. class? It, mm -hmm. It's also really easy for someone to customize what they're doing. Right. You know, if the instructor says like hard resistance cadence of 110 and that's not working for you, you can just dial back the resistance. You can go slower. Right. And I think people find they tell their instructor, like, look, I'm pregnant. I'm cleared to exercise and they can just like hang out on a bike for 45 minutes and right. know, work harder, work easier, depending on how they're feeling. Yeah. I found that spinning similar to yoga is one of the exercises women can really do all the way to the end of pregnancy. Mm -hmm. I mean, people can go to spin class, like literally at their due date and they'll, they'll modify it based on what their you know energy is and what, what they want to do, but it's not something that they can't do because they're bigger. You know, just, and same thing with yoga. It's there's certain things you can't do anymore physically, but there are a lot of things you still can do and make you feel good. Another one of those is swimming. I'm a I'm a big proponent of swimming. The main downside is it's maybe harder logistically for a lot of people to find a pool that they can get into. You've been a swimmer. I have. <laughs> <You're> like, <laughs> Not so, recently, but right. yes. So 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 why is swimming a really good exercise in pregnancy? So if spinning is low impact, swimming is zero impact. Yeah. You're sort of floating. I mean, there's no stress on the joints at all. The buoyancy in the water sort of relieves a lot of that low back hip discomfort that people have. Yeah. I mean, I, I tell women like swimming is sometimes the the one relief pregnant women will get, you know, in pregnancies. They get in the pool and there's no disadvantage. In fact, there's an advantage in certain, you know, being pregnant in terms of floating and buoyancy. So they they feel weightless. It's like the one time where you're like, oh my God, it's it's in that sense. And also if you're pregnant in the summer months, pregnant women frequently yeah. are very hot. It's like awful in that sense. And summer it's, you know, refreshing and cool. And it's a great exercise. It's just, you know, you could do it at any speed, at any intensity. Again, it, it you know, you're not gonna get injured unless you, you know, bump into the wall or something like that. And obviously anyone who swims should never do it alone. You have to be watched. Anyone, this is true for anybody, but certainly pregnant women, you could get a muscle cramp. You could, you know, you know, unintentionally swallow some water and have a difficult time. You don't want to be in a pool or any body of water alone. Uh, you want someone watching you, but it's a great, great exercise. And I am a huge fan of it for people who can 
find a way to do it. There is also another myth that pregnant women can't swim at the end of pregnancy. I've heard varying things of chlorine is bad. The thing about at term, if you're dilated, the water can get into the uterus and cause an infection. And like some women have asked me, can you check my cervix to tell me if I can go in a pool or not? I'm like, well, I'm happy to check your cervix, but I'm going to tell you you can go in a pool no matter what. I heard one of the reasons is the reason, again, none of this is, is we don't advocate any of this stuff, but one of the reasons was because if she happened to coincidentally break her water while she was swimming, she wouldn't know that that was, oh. and I was like, yeah, I don't, <laughs> no, I don't, that, that's That okay. may be true, but yeah. that's not a reason for me to right. keep someone out of the pool. Right, and she'll find out pretty soon after she gets out of the pool. You can swim pregnancy up until the very, very end based on what level, and also if people aren't swimmers, also just getting in a pool, there's various aerobic classes that happen in pools. There's there's pool running that people do. There's a lot of things that people could do in bodies of water. Yeah, aqua jogging. A friend of mine is a big aqua jogger. He has one of those like floaty diapers that you wear and you basically, yeah, it's, it's, we actually, it's interesting. We would do it in college <laughs> and it was your badge of honor when you learned how to do it to take off the floaty thing and just like do it on your own. It's ah, like killer. Take off the training yes. wheels. Let's talk about running and jogging because yes. this is something we've spoken about before and in pregnancy and it's it's a little bit more complicated because there is impact, uh, as we were talking about before. So what do you tell women about jogging or running in pregnancy? So it's fine to jog and run. The impact is not dangerous to the baby. I think that's another myth. You know, you'd mentioned horseback riding before. Right. Like someone will say like, but horseback or running, like you're you're jumping up and down. The baby's like getting jiggled. Right. Like, but the baby's fine. Like it right. doesn't cause right. any problem to the pregnancy. Right. Baby's underwater. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Logistically, it's really easy. You don't need a yoga studio or a pool or a spin bike. You just put on running shoes and go. You know, most people live in a place where they can get somewhere that they can run pretty easily. But I think it physically is one of the harder things to do in pregnancy. Yeah, particularly later in yes. pregnancy. Yeah, I remember when when my wife was pregnant with our twins, and she's not a very tall woman, and she's you know pregnant with twins, and she's in the third trimester. And, and she would run. And then people were like, oh my God, it's like, it's like so they were like giving her thumbs up and high fives. And then even more so when she would run after they were born with a double jogging stroller, that oh, was wow. like, yeah, people would like, like, like throw parades for her when, <laughs> when they saw her coming by. People can do it. And like you said before, it's really a lot of it's based on what people are used to doing. If someone is a runner, you know, they're like, yeah, I run, you know, six miles a day and now I'm pregnant. Okay. If you feel up to running six miles a day, run six miles a day. Like if, if you feel good doing it, it doesn't hurt. You know, you're not like completely out of breath. Great. And if you're not a runner, you know, it's, 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 I don't typically tell people to start running when they're pregnant because that's, it's hard to start when you're pregnant. You've never done it before. If someone wants to start speed walking, for example, and then maybe work their way up to a very light jog. And the difference in speed walking and a light jog can be very minimal in terms of speed for some people, or if someone is a runner and they do find it more difficult, just slow down. Yeah. It's okay. Like you'll know you're getting, you'll know if you're getting a workout and it really doesn't matter so much what your speed is. Uh, it's not a good time to try to set PRs. Right. You know? Yeah. <laughs> try to go as fast as you can. Even the run work. walk works really well. Like you can yeah. do so many different intervals. Right. Run, so explain that. What, run what that for a certain number of time and then walk for a certain amount of time. You could do four minutes running, 30 seconds walking. 
three minutes running, one minute walking. There's You just sort of pick something. So it gets you that aerobic exercise, but then it gets you a little bit of a break. I have friends that have qualified for Boston doing that. Friends that have, you, you know, have fast friends, I do yeah. have their, I do have fast friends, but yeah. you know, it gets you a better workout than you would think. Like when you first think of like, oh, just do a mix of run walk, like when right. you're actually like walking fast during it, you know, right. I think it helps people get a more time out and makes it a little bit easier for what they want to do. Right. And also it, it depends, you know, walk is a very, includes a lot of things. And for example, if someone says, I say, do exercise, I was asked, you know, what kind of exercise you do, how often you know, go into that. And they say, well, I walk a lot. And so walking is great. And, you know, counting your steps or getting steps, it's, it is definitely a good thing for health. And in terms of the cardiovascular benefits and whether that qualifies in pregnancy, you know, it, it's hard to know for sure, but I typically will tell people, if you're just walking like like as you would walk to the supermarket or go for a stroll, I don't really count that in your exercise time. And so I say, if you're going to use walking as your exercise, which is fine, make sure that it's faster than you normally would. Your heart rate should be going up. You should be sweating, right? It should feel like exercise. It, it shouldn't should be, feel like a stroll. It should be in sneakers, yes. not your shoes to commute to work. Right. And again, not knocking, getting off the subway early and walking more, but right. it's not that same benefit. Right. There's, yeah, there's, I mean, there's two different concepts. There's the idea of like walking more as opposed to, you know, riding in a subway or riding in a car or whatever, which is great, obviously. It's more sort of like long-term lifetime, healthy lifestyle type of thing. It's not, you probably won't see the same benefits in pregnancy from doing that. It really has to be uh, intentional. Like I, I'm going for a walk in order to exercise. And so if that's going outside, really make sure your, your pace is faster than you normally would. And you should feel it. You should feel like I'm sweating, my heart rate's up. And if you're on a treadmill, you know, either increase the speed or sometimes increase the incline. You can go to, if you just can't walk faster, Okay, so then incline the treadmill or same thing for outdoors. Maybe try walking more uphill in our hilly area and you'll sort of feel that. And that's, again, a great option for people who are not runners, don't have access to gyms and pools, and they just want to get exercise. A brisk walk for 20, 20 or 30 minutes you know, every day is going to give a lot of benefit for women. With the center of gravity and balance changing, mm, yeah. um, just the caution with running, yes, you know, yes. especially where we are in New York, there's no flat sidewalks. Even if you're in the park on the path, there's, you know, rocks and divots and just being cautious with running. Right. Um, then the physical risk of like tripping and falling, or if you're out in the winter, there's ice that you don't see, more likely to fall if you do trip. Right. So pregnancy is a time where people are definitely, they turn like into me in terms of more <laughs> clumsy. I'm, 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 a, I'm a tripper. I'm, I come from a long line of trippers. And so it's, it's something for people who normally, have, they never fall, they never trip. In pregnancy, it could happen. It's not sort of that their brain becomes clumsy. It's, you know, your body's different. So the center of gravity is different, something that you normally would be able to adjust quicker on the fly. You can't do. And so I agree. People have to be careful about that, that they're running. They have good shoes. They're running on flat ground. They look down. They, you know, they pay attention to where they're going. And obviously other common sense stuff, if things are starting to hurt a lot, don't blow it off. You know, yeah. make sure you know what's going on. What do you tell women about other types of aerobic classes and exercise? You mentioned Orange Theory and, you know, boot camp and, you know, Pilates and all these other things that people do. I'm fine with all of those, yeah. you know, especially 
if it's something that somebody does and it's part of their life and like that's what they do for exercise and mental health, it's so much easier to continue that than stop it and try to start something else. Right. You know, people that lift weights, mm-hmm. I'm fine with it. You right. know, more likely to, you know, you're not going to lift something heavy and hurt right. the pregnancy, but you could throw your back out or pull a muscle. So I tell people, be cautious with the really heavy weight lifting and expect that you're going to have to back off. I think that, you know, you know, you and I might have an advantage to talking to women because we've tried a lot of different exercises and it's in, yeah. our, it's in our life. And a, a lot of, you know, OBs have that, but some don't. And so for when people talk to me about, you know, classes they go to reverse, and I don't really always get exactly what it is that they do. Yeah. I'll either ask them usually because I'm just interested. I'm always curious and it's why some of my appointments go over. Yeah. Because I'm like, oh wait, wait, no, tell me about that. I don't know what they're <laughs> doing. But I just I sort of go over the principles we're talking. Yeah. I say, listen, I said, you know, it's not dangerous to exercise. I said you should be doing it. I said, okay, if it involves something you can get hurt, you know, don't do that part. And you may have to modify for certain things just physically because your sides are also you know, because at risk of injury or maybe risk of pulling a muscle or, you know, whatever it might be. And I said, again, the intensity, we talk about that and, you know, safety. And we just go over the principles. And basically, like you said, you know, people like I lift weights, I go, okay, like lift weights. And most people are, they're not powerlifting. You're talking about like using dumbbells and this and, you know, cowbells and sort of part of their workouts and it's fine like these are you know <laughs> you should say cowbells i did i think i meant kettlebells you meant kettlebells yeah more cowbell yeah <laughs> <laughs> someone's exercise of the cowbell that's good i guess when you're running there's the cowbell i could yeah. <laughs> i did i have the cowbell with i know i had the air horns when i've run in with you yes I don't you've think... had a cowbell okay yeah I one of the them little, the little team and training one that I yeah the little yes. cowbells but uh okay you know again yes. someone's exercise of them that's great but kettlebells also yeah. Uh, but yeah, it, yeah, all of the, it's sort of all of the studio classes, right? There's SLT, there's bar method, there's Pilates, there's all the different hit high intensity interval training classes. They're all fine. You know, again, with right. the caveat as your body changes, you modify positions, you know, you don't push yourself to a point of utter exhaustion just to comp- complete the class. Right. And one of the other things that, you know, you mentioned, because uh, I thought about the Pilates is this idea of the of core training specifically, like we were saying how great it is in yoga, but so many people come up, they say, oh, I can't do core. I can't, I can't do crunches. I can't work on my abs because I'm pregnant. And I'll be like, why? Like what? They're like, oh, it's going to hurt the baby. I was like, how is that going to hurt the baby? Like it just mm-hmm. I don't even understand it. Like it's such a, these yeah. myths are so interesting. I can't even figure out like, what is the theory that it's going to hurt the baby to help your abs? I said, no, like, great. You know, if you're going to do it, I mean, there's things you're not going to physically be able to do later in pregnancy just because of the size of your belly or this or that. But, you know, if it's, if it's working for you and it's, it's okay, like continue to do it. It's uh it's, it's a good thing. And these are really, again, the core is so important in, in life and certainly in pregnancy and, all of these are good and it's I just think it's it's so unfortunate that all these myths have come out. And again, not only are they not necessary, but frequently they're counterproductive. They work against women because yeah. they stop doing exercise, which is good for them. And it's it's a problem. I get that a lot at the first pregnancy visit. They're eight, nine weeks pregnant. They'll I, I, like you, I asked, do you exercise? And it's always, well, I used to right. blank, but I stopped because I'm pregnant. Right. You know, I had a few people that said, well, I ran, but I've been so tired with running, I just started to cut back. That's uncommon. It's either they're doing what they're doing or they just stopped completely because they're pregnant. 
Right. And I always have people say, well, I, I can't because I might miscarry. I'd be like, no. You know, I said it's, you know, unfortunately people sometimes miscarry, but, you know, it has nothing to do with whether you exercise or not. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying exercise will prevent a miscarriage, but certainly it's not going to cause one. And I think some of this is just knowledge. Some of this is unfortunately on us doctors sometimes telling, giving people bad advice, advice that's not based on anything. A lot of it is, as you said, just from reading online or from hearing from friends, something they were told. But again, overall summary Exercise is good. Exercise recommended. A lot of things you can do, a lot of options. Just try to be safe. If you have questions, obviously speak to your doctor. If you think there may be reason you shouldn't or can't, again, speak to your doctor. But the vast majority of the time, you'll be able to find something that's good and healthy for you in pregnancy and in life. Excellent. Melka, training. This yes. is Good stuff. We we need a marathon. <laughs> yeah, we got to practice marathon. We get everyone our practice to do that. We were going to do that in, until... Thank God Corona hit. <laughs> so, so I was like, oh my God, we all have to do this marathon together. But uh, we'll we'll do it. At least a half marathon for everyone. We could probably pull it off. Great. Well, thank you for coming on. I am certain we'll have you again. This is a great topic. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Healthful Woman podcast. To learn more about our podcast, please visit our website at www.healthfulwoman.com. That's H-E-A-L-T-H-F-U-L-W-O-M-A-N. Com. If you have any questions about this podcast or any other topic you would like us to address, please feel free to email us at hw at healthfulwoman.com. Have a great day. The information discussed in Healthful Woman is intended for educational uses only. It does not replace medical care from your physician. Healthful Woman is meant to expand your knowledge of women's health and does not replace ongoing care from your regular physician or gynecologist. We encourage you to speak with your doctor about specific diagnoses and treatment options for an effective treatment plan.